the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferenc Toth. In an era of chaos, confusion, and craziness, Ferenc is a voice for common sense. As a financial literacy educator, speaker, and entrepreneur, Ferenc cuts through the noise to help us understand how current events affect our money, economy, and our freedom. Now, here's Ferenc Toth. Welcome to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ferenc. Very thankful for those who have reached out to the show and given me some uh, mostly positive feedback. Actually, I've been getting a lot of positive feedback lately. And I don't know if it's just I've been on a roll lately or more people are listening or a combination of both. But I just want to say I genuinely appreciate it. I love the feedback. And again, you can contact me if you want to reach out me for out to me for any reason, for that matter, at yourpersonalbank.com or my email. It's ference at yourpersonalbank.com. That's F-E-R-E-N-C at yourpersonalbank.com. Love the feedback. Really appreciate it. Keep it coming. One of the things that's been happening recently, anti-Semitism that has been rampant and has been most rampant on college campuses. Recently, three of the Ivy League college presidents were brought to um, a congressional hearing, and their responses were beyond abhorrent. They were unable to denounce the call for genocide of Jews, for example, which is, frankly, the indiscriminate killing of an entire race of people. A lot of people have been responding to this, and it's been a wake-up call, if you will, for many, particularly in the Jewish community. For example, billionaire Bill Ackman, who is a very influential a billionaire. He's a, a graduate of Harvard. Uh, for example, he gave $26 million to Harvard in 2014. And he is actively and aggressively calling for these presidents, Harvard, MIT, and Penn, to resign. As he stated, he goes, if the CEO of one of our companies gave a similar answer, he or she'd be toast within the hour. He's been very much offended by this. He's come out and and apologized to his credit. This behavior that's been allowed on college campuses certainly got Bill Ackman's attention, and he's very influential. And so it's been a very, very big wake-up call, if you will, to show what's going on, really going on in these college campuses. And that, that is a good thing. We were just living our lives raising our families, building our businesses, careers, whatever. We would vote, you know, and do what we needed to do typically and then go back to our lives and just kind of assume things were going along like they always had before. And what sadly we've learned is, particularly over the last few years, certainly last decade or two, that's not been the case. There's been a gradual deterioration in leadership of our country, focus that they have, the direction. The vast majority of Americans are not happy with the direction that this country is headed or where the direction our leaders are trying to make it go. 
a lot of people, I get asked this question all the time. Why is it, why do you think it is the way it is? And a lot of people are asking that question themselves. How could it have gotten so bad? One of my responses is to understand things, you just need to always follow the money. How did it get so bad in these college campuses? And this is important to understand because college universities and such have been the leader in many of these ideas that we're now dealing with, whether it's the anti-Semitism, whether it's the green energy movement, whether it be anti-Americanism, all these different ideas that have seemed to take root, have taken root in big parts of our society. And again, if you follow the money, it starts to make some sense. So it turns out a new report just came out that the country of Qatar, that's a Middle Eastern country, an oil-rich country, it was the largest foreign donor to U.S. universities. Uh, they have been for quite some time. Donate a lot of money to call, uh, U.S. American universities. And, of course, Qatar is primarily a Muslim country. A significant portion of their leaders are part of the Muslim Brotherhood, if you don't remember who that is, and they cooperate or work with Hamas. We have people who are diametrically opposed to our Western way of life, their beliefs are, who are having significant influence through their dollars, through their money, in our college universities. When you understand that, you know, these college presidents that were not able to denounce Jewish genocide, for example, you know, obviously that is a core principle of terrorists, Hamas, Middle Eastern terrorists, that type of thing. They know where their bread is buttered. They understand Qatar and others like that are donating a lot to their universities, apparently enormous financial resources. With those kinds of donations, they get enormous influence. What needs to happen, of course, is their influence needs to be eliminated. Foreign countries should not be influencing our U.S. universities. I'm sorry. Part of the money that these universities receive comes from our taxpayer dollars also and from student loans, which the taxpayers follow. Ron DeSantis, to give him credit, in a recent debate, came up with one of the best ideas I've heard regarding the student loan issue. As he stated, he goes, I'm not a, in favor of a truck driver paying the student loan off for somebody who graduated college with gender studies. But what he was in favor of, the universities backing the student loans. Folks, that makes a lot of sense. The, the universities, if they're going to put out a product, they should be able to back that product. And if their graduates are unable to earn an income from the degrees that they issue that can pay off the student loans that they issue, then they would change their tune. Let capitalism work. The government should be not involved. U.S. taxpayer money should not be involved in education, particularly student loans in that aspect. We have no business being in the student loan universities should be. They're the ones that should be backing these. I 100% agree with DeSantis' uh, proposal. It was a great one, one of the best I've heard in a while. Until this foreign influence that's clearly impacting many of these universities diminished, we're going to have a problem with these universities teaching and fomenting this anti-American, hate Americans, hate our way of life, hate our society type of 
ideas and attitudes, until that changes, I would strongly discourage your kids, if you have students that are in college or wanting to go to college, probably not a good time to send them there to get indoctrinated into these ideas that largely go against most of what most Americans believe in. It's just completely and totally foolish. In fact, one of the other scams, if you will, that have been perpetrated on young people is the idea that college is the only way to become successful. And yes, it is a way to become successful, but certainly not the only way. Entrepreneurship is an excellent way to obtain success. The trades. I heard somebody, no less than I think it was uh, Cuomo, I forget his first name, the younger brother, stated recently that, you know, we're not looking for, it's not hard to find an attorney or an accountant or something like that, but everybody's looking for a good plumber. He's absolutely right. DeSantis' proposal also included we need to focus more on the trades, the vocational schools and things like that, as Florida has been doing recently. These are the kind of focus that needs to occur in the education field, especially right now with these this foreign influence that we have going on. Clearly, that's where it comes from. That's where this anti-Americanism attitude that's fomented in the universities, that's where it's coming from, folks. Again, follow the money. You have Qatar being the largest foreign donor to U.S. universities in the world. The Qatar and the U.S. society is not the same, not even close. Our priorities and what we think is important are not the same thing. Now, of course, the reason why Qatar has so much money and so much influence is really quite simple. They have a lot of oil. There is a country that has more oil than Qatar or the Middle East or any Middle Eastern country for that matter. That country happens to be the United States. The U.S. a couple of years ago was energy independent. The United States has the reserves, natural gas, oil, and all that, and the technology to not only be energy independent, we have the ability to be energy dominant. We also generate the cleanest energy in the world because of the rules that we have in place. If we as a country would just focus on the ability to be energy dominant, that would diminish the influence and the money that comes from the Middle East. Follow the money track if you want to understand. Who does this benefit? Some elites, politicians, those kinds of those types of people who make business deals, who make political deals, they benefit from these foreign foreign influence, that foreign money. But very few regular folks do. Very few Americans do. Again, we need to focus on what's important to, for us in our country, not a few elites and these foreign countries. We become energy dominant. The oil from the Middle East becomes non-important. We don't have to focus in those areas. We don't have to get involved in those entanglements around the world, many of those entanglements around the world, particularly in places and with countries that, frankly, don't like us very much. We can focus on what's important to us. So this energy thing isn't just green energy, and I'm going to discuss more of that in the next segment. It's about national security and what kind of society we want to be in the future. Do we want to keep pouring money into places like the Middle East, which then allows them to pour it into our universities and pollute hearts and minds of our young people in this country? Is that what we want to continue to do? Or do we want something different for our country going forward? Again, in the meantime, 
these types of things create volatility. What can you do to protect yourself? Diversify. Reduce your market risk. Reduce your tax liability. Have some of your money set aside in a different bucket. Of course, your personal bank can do that. Guaranteed, insured, tax-free. Dividends are increasing. That's exciting because interest rates are higher for longer. We keep hearing that by the experts, and there's many reasons behind it, which I shared even last week's show. If you missed it, go to yourpersonalbank.com. I'll discuss a little bit more of it on this week's show, too. So stay tuned. I'm really going to encourage you not to miss it. Stay tuned for more Common Sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferentz Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferentz at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferentz Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ferentz. And some of the things I've been discussing lately with the inflation, the higher interest rates, higher for longer, many reasons behind why that's the case. I'll get into that further along in in the show today, I promise. But one of the things that's come up is, and I was discussing this last week, in fact, is the higher cost, the average American, for example, with the inflation that we've seen over the last couple of years due to the annual inflation tab, now the average American household has to spend over $11,000 a year more just for the basics. This is food, clothing, housing. The actual numbers are closer to 14000 The reason is simple. To have extra 11000 to spend on food, clothing, housing, the extra costs for that, you have the average household has to earn 14000 because they have to pay taxes on that income, don't they? So they have about 11000 left over after tax. So in other words, in the last couple of years, your income would have had to increase 14000 for the average American household just to tread water, just to maintain. If your income didn't increase by 14000 in the last couple of years, you are falling behind due to inflation. Unfortunately, that's not the end of the story. There's more to it. Turns out now another stu- several other studies have come out now stating that the additional regulations that have been pouring out of the White House now are adding an additional $14,500 in additional annual costs. These are all regulatory things. We've heard about some of them, you know, from the gas stoves to the hot water heaters to all the different air conditioning systems, all the different regulations that are going out, that have been coming out of the Biden administration that are costing more in maintenance of these items and different things. So it's an additional $14,000 plus on top of the inflationary cost of the food closing the housing. So in other words, if you have to earn another 14000 income just to pay for inflation, so you have 11000 after tax, and you have to earn another 14000 to cover the average annual hidden costs for the average household, that's getting approaching close to $30,000 per year, additional income you need to make as a household just to maintain, just to break even, just to tread water. 
Once you understand that, now you start to really understand why the vast majority of households are falling behind and are starting to feel the pinch. They're starting to feel it in their budgets. Another financial article I read came out recently stating that 86% of American households have now less buying power than they had two years ago. So the vast majority of households are moving backwards or falling behind in terms of buying power, income, maintaining, all those types of things. Regulations cost as much as the inflation. Excess regulation can be far more damaging than, say, additional taxes or even inflation. Right now, the additional regulations are costing every bit as much as the additional inflation. Yes, the rate of increase has slowed, but it's cumulative on top of what's happened previously. So it's year after year after year, piles on, so to speak. It's cumulative. One of the things I shared in this show a number of times is at one point during the Trump administration took a very aggressive approach on slashing government regulations. In fact, at one point they were eliminating, to Trump administration that is, was eliminating 22 Obama-era regulations for every new one it was implementing. Folks, that's the right direction for government. Government is not the solution. Government is the problem. Ronald Reagan was correct when he said that. Government is not the solution. Government is the problem. The founding fathers understood that. They all understood the tyranny of an over-aggressive or overbearing government. That's why the Constitution is written strictly to limit government's powers. It's not to limit the people's power. It's to limit the government power. Everything in the Constitution is written that way. And by the way, if you haven't read the Constitution recently, it's not a bad idea to pull it out and read it. You know, it only takes about 15 minutes or so to read. It's not an extraordinarily complicated document. It's part of the brilliance of it. The founding fathers understood it needed to be a living, breathing document that would evolve over time. And it has. But it needs to be honored. It's the supreme law of the land. And it needs to be recognized as that. Otherwise, the Federalist Papers and Jefferson and other founders stated the government would, over time, gradually and continually encroach on the freedoms of the people and would try to obtain more and more power for itself. Wow, was that quite the prediction. Not only would the founding fathers, I believe, if they were alive today, some people say they'd be rolling over in their graves. I don't think so, so much. In fact, much of what they wrote and discussed, they predicted a lot of this. They saw the threat. Remember, they lived through a dictatorial king. A king is just a dictator in fancy robes, absolute power. And they wanted, they understood the tyranny that that could create having too much power. Again, that's why everything about the Constitution is all about limiting that power, the 10th Amendment of the Bill of Rights, reiterates everything in the Constitution and states very clearly any of the powers enumerated, it's called the Enumerated Powers Clause, 
any of the powers enumerated, or in other words, listed in the Constitution, were what the power the federal government had. Anything that was not listed was reserved for the people or the states. Folks, we need to get back to that. We need to move back to that. And people always ask me, you know, where do I stand politically? And I discuss a lot of this. And I really describe myself more than anything as a constitutionalist. I truly believe we need to get back to the original intent of our founders, the original intent of our country to have a rebirth of freedom. We need a rebirth of freedom, much like a 1776 moment. There are some encouraging signs on that, that that may be happening. And we are living in some extraordinary times. Yes, there are some challenging times, no question. There are some there are divisive times, absolutely. But these are the times that where true change occurs. For one, there is a tremendous amount of attention. In other words, a lot of people have waken up to the fact and realize that if we continue down the path we're going, our society will not be the way it was. If we continue to allow our government to expand and grow, we will not have the freedoms that we have enjoyed for the last however many you know decades, right, or a couple hundred years. Our kid, children and the next generations will not have the freedoms or enjoy what we've been able to enjoy. And anyone who's even a little bit on the younger side won't have the opportunity. We're seeing that now where some of the younger generations are very disillusioned and frustrated because they don't feel like they have the opportunities available to them that their parents or grandparents have. And they have a lot of reason for being disillusioned. There is no question about that. There's other some reasons behind that. Again, it has to do with following the money. As I stated in the first segment where I was discussing why the universities have gone so far off track, so anti-American in their attitudes and what they teach and what they push. Again, and you have countries like Qatar donating tremendous amount of financial resources and, of course, obtaining tremendous amount of influence. It starts to make sense. They know where their bread's buttered. If they push this agenda, they continue to get more of this money. That needs to be stopped, Okay. The same kind of thing is occurring in other parts of our society, and those things need to stop. And again, we are starting to see where people are waking up to that fact. One of the other statements I've made repeatedly is, where are the elite patriots? Where are the people in this country that happen to have been very successful in life for whatever reason, uh, likely quite wealthy, yet still love this country and are what you would consider patriots? You know, Elon Musk did not buy Twitter because it was a good financial decision. It wasn't. It was a terrible financial decision. It was a terrible company that lost money, and he spent $44 billion to buy a loser, a dog. But he did it because, as he stated, free speech was more important. We need more of our elite patriots to stop focusing so much on just making the next dollar and focus more on giving back. They've been successful. They've, this country has offered them and then provided them the ability to become successful. There needs to be some appreciation of that. There needs to be some giving back. So many of these elites I, I, I've 
talked to some, I've, there's some I've talked to, some very wealthy folks, and unfortunately, much of the attitude for many of them is, well, if things get bad enough, they're just going to skedaddle and get out of here. Well, what kind of attitude is that? And by the way, looking to go somewhere else is fraught with risk in its in and of itself for many reasons. I mean, for one, where else are you going to go? As much problems as we have here, we still have more freedoms here than most of the places in the rest of the world. I'm running up against a hard hard um, break. I want to I want to expand upon this thought a little bit more because, you know, I'm half Hungarian. I could. I could get Hungarian citizenship legitimately and do that, but I don't want to go that down that path and go that direction for some very solid reasons that are not only current but historical on top of it. And I believe that is the thought, that is the thing that many of these elites are absolutely missing. They're missing this idea. In the meantime, like I said, if you want to learn how to navigate this financial uncertainty, volatility that likely is coming. I'm going to talk about this in the next segment. Recession, most people, experts believe it's still a, it's coming, okay? You want to thrive in that, contact me, your personal bank, guaranteed, insured, tax-free dividends, increasing. This is going to be likely going to become one of the best investments going forward, and I mean the next three to five years, if not longer, that we're going to see in this economic environment. If you want more information, contact me. I'll be happy to share with you how this can work and benefit you. Stay tuned in the next segment. I want to finish my thought I was uh, driving at before, so don't miss it. Stay tuned for more Common Sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferenc Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferenc at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferenc Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ferenc. And I was starting a thought in the last segment, you know, as I was saying, where are the elite patriots? Where are the people that love this country who have been very successful, oftentimes because of this country, where are they fighting for this country? It seems the predominant thought process for many of these elites, and you hear it, especially you know, you hear the especially hear the ones where they say, "Well, if Trump's elected, I'm leaving this country." Okay, whatever. Most people don't care. We hear that a lot from these like Hollywood has-beens or wannabes or whatever. Whatever. If that's how you feel, leave. You know, that's fine. But you, it also is quite predominant in many more of the conservative elite circles and business people and things like that. They, they don't feel any real allegiance to this country, even though in most cases, the opportunities that this country provided is the reason why they're successful in the first place. Or it was, And they think they can just go somewhere else and it'll be better. Here's a little bit of a wake up call, if you will. First of all, I'm going to say, as I've shared in the show many times, my dad escaped from the Soviets in 1956. He did it the right way, ended up becoming a U.S. citizen. He was a political refugee. I was born here. I'm half Hungarian. I'm a U.S. citizen. I have the ability to get Hungarian citizenship. In fact, there's been a major push in Hungary to repatriate 
Hungarians. So it'd be a fairly easy thing to do. It'll take time, but relatively easy. I could get that citizenship, and I yet may still, but I don't particularly want to move there for several reasons. One, it's not my home country. I was born here. I'm a I'm I'm an American. This is what I know. This is what I loved. I served in the military because I believe in this country. It's my home, for one. Two, Hungary historically, for one, it's it borders Ukraine. We all know what's going on in Ukraine right now, and of course they're at war. What's to say? I understand Hungary is a part of NATO. It's unlikely that Russia would attack NATO, but things happen. And if you go back historically, Hungary is a small country and has been overrun many, many times throughout history. Do I want to be in a place like that that has a history of being run over? You can go to other places, but you think about it, they don't have the natural resources that the United States has. Very few places do. Also, the U.S. has natural protections from other chaos. We have two oceans, for one. Uh, you have a you know northern border. We have a benign neighbor. I don't think Canada is a real threat to the United States, and neither is Mexico, for that matter. So the borders are fairly secure. If, if chaos was to occur, I mean, just again, look at history. Even you take things like World War I and World War II, you know, the United States did get involved in those wars, but not right away. In fact, it wasn't even for it till a couple of years later in both of those situations. And in both of those situations, the U.S. wasn't even, uh, you know, there was no, uh, you know, outside of Pearl Harbor, we didn't have any real attacks in the country. Of course, today we have nuclear uh, and that type of thing. Obviously, a nuclear annihilation would annihilate a lot of people. It wouldn't matter really where you lived in most parts. There's a few parts of the world, but let's face it, that's really that's really uh, uh, a catastrophic event. But it, you even go back and look at situations like Russia had, the Soviet Union had a number of invasion plans of the U.S., particularly when the Soviets and the United States were at odds with each other through the Cold War. But none of those invasion plans included invading Texas, for example. And the reason behind it was even the Soviets understood that most Texans loved their country and they were well-armed, thanks to the Second Amendment. Those things make a difference. You don't have Second Amendment rights pretty much anywhere else in the world. Certainly you don't in places like Australia or Canada or Europe, for example. You don't have those kinds of rights We've seen the chaos historically in Europe, for example. There's two world wars last century. There's a long history of war in Europe. It's a beautiful place, and there's in, you know all those kinds of things, and I love it. But do you really want to commit yourself to something like that? And even if you are wealthy, this is what I would say to that wealthy person who believes, well, if things get bad enough, I'm just going to leave. What's to say... You're not going to go from the frying pan into the fire. In other words, your wealth may not protect you. You know, ask Jack Ma, one of the wealthiest people in China, for example, and he said some things that weren't even that bad but ran afoul slightly of of the Communist Party in China, and he was, in essence, in house arrest for almost a year. You didn't hear from him. They were punishing him. And again, one of the wealthiest men in the country. Just because you have wealth and you happen to be in a different country 
doesn't mean you have freedom or rights. You cross the wrong person, and you have more dictatorial powers in most parts of the world, certainly less protections and less freedoms. Your literal, your freedom could be at, at, at threat. You know, our freedoms certainly have been eroded here in the United States, no question. But they're still far more robust than most parts of the world. And I believe a lot of these people that are saying, well, I'm just going to leave if things get bad enough. I think that's incredibly naive. And they don't really understand history or the history or these many of these cultures or countries. They don't have the same history of freedom. There is no place in the world, frankly, that has the legacy of freedom of the United States. And again, it comes back to a little bit of naivety and lack of understanding of history. The United States was a radical experiment. The Constitution and the freedom, that type of freedom had never occurred in human history prior to that. The only place, almost the only place you could go to was ancient Greece that had that type of democracy. And it was a much, much smaller community like Athens. It was really more of just a city-state, really, than a country. And you think about how far back that was, over 2,000 years. So you go through a period of almost 2,000. You have an example of democracy in a very small, tiny part of the world in comparison to the rest of the world, Athens, for example. You go about 2,000 years where there is not any freedoms or rights to speak of like Athens had until the U.S. Constitution occurred. You start to realize how rare throughout human history, how rare this freedom is. And if you start to truly understand how rare it is throughout human history, you maybe start to appreciate it a little bit more. I've been, I've been one of the few I, I shared in the beginning of the show how much I appreciate the overall positive feedback I've gotten from people. And I do. I truly appreciate it. Like I said, if you want to reach out to me um, and share anything or want me to share something, it's yourpersonalbank.com. Or you can direct email me, Ferentz, at yourpersonalbank.com. And it's my first name. It's spelled F-E-R-E-N-C. So F is in Frank and C is in cat. F-E-R-E-N-C at yourpersonalbank.com. Be happy to love to hear from you. But I have had a few negative responses over time. And one of them, actually the one I get more often than any other, is you talk about freedom so much. And you get on this whole soapbox about freedom. Well, you have to understand something. My family history escaped from communism, okay? That had a major impact on my family history and what I was taught and learned growing up. I also served in the military. I understand sacrifice it takes to maintain the freedoms. I Also, because of that family history, and I'm a student of history itself, I understand how rare it is. So what I would say in response to those that say, you know, you really get hopped up on this whole freedom idea, I would say you don't really appreciate how scarce and rare it really is, and you should appreciate it more. You should protect it more. You should do more to protect it so that we can maintain this freedom for all of us and the future generations. See, our ancestors gave this gift 
of freedom to us. And another Reagan quote, and I'm not quoting it exactly, but freedom has to be is fought for every generation. Freedom is not free. And Thomas Jefferson said some things to the similar thing. You ha- this has to be fought for and protected. And right now, our fight for freedom is happening as we speak. Our current administration is doing everything it can in its power to restrict, gain more power and therefore take away more of our freedoms. And why, again, why do I discuss so much of this? This is a financially focused show. Folks, I want you to understand something. Economic freedom is also one of those freedoms. In the Declaration of Independence, our very first founding document, it, the, it famously said, the pursuit of life, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I want you to understand something. The founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, in fact, I think it was Franklin who wanted ownership of property. So it was life, liberty, and the property ownership or something like that. And it was Jefferson that came up with the phrase pursuit of happiness. But the founders understood how important economic freedom was, the ability to own property, for example. The freedoms that we have, that we enjoy, the protections that we still enjoy, still have, allow us to earn money, to keep the money we earn for the most part, allow us to grow our nest eggs and and our retirements and all those types of things, and even, yes, pass it on to the next generations. You don't have that ability in many countries. You don't have that opportunity. Do you think you can grow wealth in China or Russia or Cuba outside of being part of the insider class uh, probably be, means you're probably corrupt. You have, you've probably bribed your way to success. You're part of the insiders. You know, you're a, you're a friend of Putin, okay, these oligarchs. Outside of that, are you growing wealth? The answer is no. That's the thing that you, people need to understand. That This is fundamental. It's fundamental importance for us to be successful. I know I got off track and maybe went a little longer on this whole freedom thought maybe than I normally do, but I, I under, it's that important, folks. It's absolutely fundamental. It's a lack of financial literacy that's common in our, our country. It's not taught in schools. Most of this is not taught in the home, certainly not at work business or anywhere else, but people need to understand these fundamental financial literacy keys. I'm going to share some last thoughts in the next segment of that I promised I would get to, so I won't miss it. If you want assist in how to maintain your economic freedom, how to free yourself from the government retirement system, as I call it, which is the qualified plan program, you you understand you're at, at the you're at the whim of the federal government, whatever tax rates they want to charge. We all know where the government tax rates are, or debt. We all understand how much debt there is. One of the ways for the government to reduce debt or incre- is to increase taxes, increase revenues. As they have more and more debt and have higher, higher interest payments on this debt, as I've shared in other previous shows, there's going to be more pressure to raise taxes. Do you want to be subject to that? Or do you want to have an out, an option where you have a tax-free bucket of money to give you options so it doesn't matter what the federal government does in terms of tax rates, you're exempt from that, or at least a portion of your portfolio is. These are valuable, tremendously valuable issues. You want to 
address now while you still can. I encourage you to contact me. Stay tuned in the next segment because i got some thing, thoughts I want to finish up on that you don't want to miss. Stay tuned for more Common Sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferenc Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferenc at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferenc Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ferenc. So I do need to finish up on some key points economic-wise. First of all, China is starting to become a bigger and bigger issue, a bigger and bigger concern. And it has to do with China's colossal hidden debt problem. It's coming to a head, folks. China is trying to defuse a financial time bomb, much like the U.S. is building in terms of debt. But it's more severe in China, and it's probably likely to blow sooner there than here. In other words, the International Monetary Fund and Wall Street banks now estimate that the total outstanding off-balance sheet government debt is somewhere around 7 to $11 trillion. They don't even really know how much it is because China is less than a forthcoming on things like this. They're not always the most honest, and I think most all of us understand that. And like they said, that includes corporate bonds issued by thousands of so-called local government financial, financing vehicles, which borrowed money to build roads, bridges, other infrastructure. In other words, they overbuilt. They overborrowed to overbuild. And so they've created a huge, huge real estate problem. They're, and they're saying that the about almost a trillion of that debt is becoming particularly problematic and is at very high risk of default. You know, if the defaults start to spread, that is the, the, the Chinese economy is already, we're seeing signs of it slowing down. It could certainly quickly develop a nationwide snowball or even a financial crisis where credit markets could seize up and all types of not good stuff economically that could happen. Another sign of that in China is that now a, a, a record number, something like over 8.5 million people, have been a, officially blacklisted by authorities for financial reasons. And the reasons are there, is they're missing payments on everything from home mortgages to business loans. In other words, they're seeing a record outbreak of of uh, bankruptcies, defaulters, if you will. This is about double the normal, double the norm. This is not good. It is not a good sign. Why should we care? China is the second largest economy in the world. China, for quite some time, the last few decades, has been the real engine of world economies. I mean, it's always it's had a higher growth rate for decades now than most anywhere else in the world. And it's driven the world economy, and China is definitely, most definitely slowing down in a big way. That will have an impact on the world economies and markets. In fact, J.P. Morgan has now just come out and stated they have a grim outlook for the stock market for 2024. They're predicting a pullback of the, of the S&P 500. They're expecting the, bench, the S&P 500 to go down for in, up being lower at the end of 2024 than it is now. In fact, no less than Warren Buffett himself 
has recently stated, as he put it, the incredible period for the U.S. economy is coming to an end. Warren Buffett has been one of those people who has been extraordinarily bullish on the U.S. economy most of his life. He's been very successful with that approach, as everyone pretty much knows. He's been historically bullish. For him to come out and state that he's now not is extraordinary. I remember statements that Warren Buffett was making during the Great Recession. He was incredibly bullish on the future of the U.S. economy at that time. And he, in fact, bought into the, the markets tremendously at a point, not at the bottom, but at a low, a fairly low point before most, as he put it, when there was blood in the streets, he was buying. He's not doing that right now. In fact, his, his uh, Berkshire Hathaway, and he stayed in his most recent meeting, they are selling. He is selling, and he is, as his partner, Charlie Munger, stated uh, before he passed, shortly before he passed away recently, he stated, get used to making less. Now, why, why is Warren Buffett making these statements? According to him, he said it's a combination of several factors. One, persistent high inflation. He doesn't see the inflation going away anytime soon. I agree with him. I'm going to share with you why in a few minutes. He also states escalating interest rates. That I really agree with. And an ongoing banking crisis. We've discussed some of those things um, in previous shows, but I'll touch on it. So the reason why Warren Buffett and just about every economic expert I can I, I can research is saying that high, you've heard higher for longer, interest rates higher for longer. One of the main reasons, and this is outside of the control of the Federal Reserve, so this is why it gets where it starts to get really interesting. And I shared some of this in the last show. I'm going to expand upon the same thought. One of the reasons why we're hearing higher for longer in terms of interest rates is because of the federal spending. What many people don't realize is the federal government cannot just print money willy-nilly. When they print money to borrow, they have to sell bonds offset to do, you know, offset the money that they print. So last year, fiscal 2022, the federal government received 4.4 trillion dollars of tax revenues. That was their income. The government spent $6.1 trillion, according to their numbers, which means they spent $1.7 trillion more than they made. Now, that, that meant is they had to sell $1.7 trillion of bonds fund the, the excess deficit spending. But that isn't all the bonds. That, they, that would be bad, bad enough. I mean, that's a tremendous amount of bonds to sell in the bond market. But to make matters worse, we all know that the federal debt is over $33 trillion. And the government is not paying that down. Again, they sell bonds. They sell bonds all types of different time frames, two years, 10 years, 30 years, whatever. When those bonds mature, the, the federal government, of course, pays interest to the bond buyers. When those bonds mature, they reissue the new bonds at the current interest rate. Of course, the current interest rates are far higher, two and three times higher now than they were even a year or two ago. So the federal government is having to spend a lot more in interest. In fact, the interest payments on the debt has doubled in the last 19 months. It will continue, if interest rates stay right where they are, to double again in another within two years. 
This is unsustained. We're approaching unsustainable territory. But let me finish this thought on the interest, because the government's problem creates an opportunity for you as an investor. And here it is. Because the government is issuing so much bonds, historic levels of bonds, and historic inventory, they're flooding the market with bonds. Because remember, they're not only selling the $1.7 trillion of new spending bonds, they're also having to roll over the existing debt. Now, I don't know exactly how much that is, but let's assume it's about 10% of the total debt. Remember, they're selling different terms, timeframes, two-year, 10-year, 30-year. Let's say about 10%, that's probably a pretty fair guess, of the total debt is rolled over into new bonds each year. Well, that would be about $3 trillion of bonds that are sold. So there, what that means is in the last year, the federal government sold roughly $3 trillion of existing debt bonds plus $1.7 trillion of the new bonds. So that's 4 to $5 trillion that was sold in the bond market. When you have that much inventory, you're flooding the market, you have to, you know, it's basic economics 101. You've got to sweeten the deal. You've got to get people to buy it. Who buys bonds? Well, historically, in the last decade, it was the Federal Reserve, Bank of China, the central banks of the world, um, pension funds, insurance companies. But guess what? The Bank of China and the Federal Reserve are currently not buying bonds. They're net seller of bonds. Both of them are doing what's called quantitative easing, which means they're selling their assets, not buying them. You can look it up. You can go to Fred. Fred.org, F-R-E-D.org, and you look at, can look at the total assets that the federal government is holding at any given time. They announce this each week, and you will see that they are dropping, they are reducing their assets as we speak. The Fed and the Bank of China were the number one and number two buyers of bonds for the last decade plus. What's interesting is they were buying these bonds when they were paying really low interest rates, when there was a terrible investment, frankly. Now they're selling them. Who's buying them still? Well, like I said, the pension funds, the insurance companies and all that. But there's your top two buyers are gone. You're flooding the market with bonds. The amount of spending is predicted to be $2 trillion deficit spending this year, which means the federal government will have to sell $2 trillion of new bonds, plus rolling over the existing inventory, which is probably around $3 trillion. The federal government is having to offer higher and higher interest rates to entice these people, these bond buyers to buy. Until the federal government reduces spending and reduces the debt, the amount of bonds they're going to be offering each year, each year will be increasing. This will force them to offer higher and higher interest rates. Well, if the federal government is offering a higher interest rate and you're a bond buyer, why would you invest in some other in- bond investment or debt instrument, let's say mortgages, car loans, or anything else for that matter, when you can get a better rate from the federal government, which is still considered one of the best bets out there. As as bad as the federal government is in spending, it's still better than China. We just shared that earlier. And most of the rest of the world, because the U.S. does have more assets, it has more natural resources. I mean, could the government uh, do a bunch of oil leases and gas leases and raise a bunch of money? Absolutely. They could do that, okay? So, and is the federal government broke? No, this is one of the doomsday things I hear all the time. No, the federal government's not broke. They brought in $4.4 trillion of 
tax revenues last year alone. The problem is they're spending $6.1 trillion. Eventually, this is the question I get asked all the time, what is the most likely thing to happen? Well, first of all, as I stated, here's your opportunity. I started to share it earlier. Listen up. This is probably the best thing I'm going to give you. You've probably heard in weeks or if not months, maybe in the, in the, the best thing I've shared for the year. The government's challenge financially, their weakness, their spending problem that they have creates an opportunity. You can make more with the higher interest rates. Your personal bank, the insurance companies, buy these bonds as these dividends are highly interest rate sensitive. As these bond returns increase, so will the dividends. And you can get it with guarantees through the insurance company and tax-free, which shields you from future tax increases that will likely occur because the federal government is going to be under more and more pressure to raise tax revenues. Now, raising taxes, will that generate more taxes? Historically speaking, no, but we all understand there's going to be political pressure to do that, which is foolish, but it will happen. Well, you might as well shield yourself from that, right? So you can take advantage of these higher and higher dividends over the next easily three to five years. I think that's a no-brainer and could easily last for the next decade until, until ultimately what happens? The bond buyers finally say enough's enough. They balk. They stop buying because there's just too much inventory. And that forces the federal government into austerity measures, which means they would have to live within their means. They would only be able to spend what they can raise, which is what happened to Greece about 10 years ago. It would create some short-term financial chaos, but, of course, it would be good long-term for the country financially. And along the way, let's say that takes Five years, 10 years to get there, I don't know. You could have an increasing return, increasing almost every year, guaranteed, insured, and tax-free. There's your opportunity, folks. It's a tremendous one, one of the best we're going to see of our generation, in my opinion. Again, take advantage of the government's weakness to benefit you financially. Contact me at yourpersonalbank.com for more information. As always, Stay tuned to the Your Personal Bank Show for more great information next week. And as long as it's on our money, in God we trust. Listen Tuesdays at noon and Saturdays at 1 to the Your Personal Bank Show for more information. Contact Ference at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. This show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information. The presenter and guests of this program do not engage in legal, accounting, or tax advice. Professional advice regarding your situation should be sought if required. Some products discussed may have limitations and not be available in all states. Excessive unpaid loans may affect performance. Distributions may become taxable if not managed properly. Replacements may not be suitable for everyone. There may be charges when replacing coverage. Dividend rates and bank line of credit rates may change. For current rates, contact Ference at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Again, that's 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.